Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 11 to 11.50. And that particular time period is the time when we are uniting Christians around Indianapolis who are doing good based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. Our focus is always going to be the same. And our focus is a three-prong. We cross three bridges, actually, at Comenius. The first bridge is into college. Uh, I do work with uh, IUPUI students there. Uh, I meet with Christians and non-Christians uh, who want to ask questions about their classes, about their disciplines, about their careers, about their futures. Looking forward to actually having a long conversation yet today. I've got one scheduled uh, with one uh, student who goes to McKinney Law School. Thanks ever so much for joining us, everybody. I'm trying to wave to everybody as we go. Uh, thanks for uh, your time with us today. The second bridge that we cross is into uh, to, uh, communities, which is what we're doing actually right now on the radio. Uh, glad to do this. Uh, communities in and around Indianapolis, which are doing good Christian communities, and we're glad for that. Uh, our focus is always to unite cultures, to bridge cultures, and so we're inviting lots of different folks who don't look like me on this particular program. This month, of course, is uh, Women's History Month, and so three out of four of our guests are uh, women who are going to tell us a little bit about their heroes and about uh, their commitment to Women's History Month. And then the third bridge that we cross is into culture, and I do this through speaking and writing. Uh, you can go to my website, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, or go to the Cominius Institute website, cominiusinstitute.org or .com, and find us there, and you will find all kinds of essays, uh, podcasts, video teaching, all kinds of things. We have our YouTube channel up. Subscribe to us there. Get our get everything that comes out immediately when it comes out. Uh, we have uh, once a week uh, Truth in Two that comes out on Tuesdays. Uh, glad to give Christian Truth in two minutes, and you can find all of those archived on YouTube as well as on the Comenius site. Uh, actually, this week is a busy week as I'm speaking uh, down at IU Bloomington. Uh, Christian student group has invited me down to speak on competing worldviews, and specifically uh, the worldviews that uh, we're going to be dealing with have to do with uh, those that come contrary to a Christian point of view. And so I'll be down there on Thursday evening, and then Friday evening we'll be talking about film. I've written a book on movies, and uh, I'd like to engage that on a regular basis. But this morning, we are glad to have Vanessa Stringer with us. Uh, thanks so much, Vanessa, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Good. Thank you. Well, let's uh, let's jump in, first of all, to uh, the Women's History Month and talk a little bit about the importance of that for you as an individual. Um, it, 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 it's amazing to see how long we have gone mm. you know from from all of our rights and everything mm. and um i think that we sometimes take it for granted um, sure. and, or even ignore that we still have exactly. a long way to go um so i'm excited to just celebrate all the women that have been doing amazing mm. things in our community and mm. making a difference in the world how uh, if i were to ask you if you had a hero or a heroine who might that be i inspire myself so in, in so many people that i have around mm -hmm. um i i just like to keep it realistic mm -hmm. um but i do love the story and all the empowerment that comes with mary Kay ash i, okay. I just love you know everything that she has done while she was alive and everything that keeps mm -hmm. going with you know how, how many women she has made a difference in their lives mm -hmm. and how many people are still being able to you know provide for their family and mm -hmm. hopefully for a long time um, sure. able to take advantage of what she has done for those who uh, are not women let's make that very clear <laughs> <laughs> could you give all the guys out there a shout as to what mary Kay is some yeah. of them might not know yeah she's an entrepreneur she started um she was working with a company in sales, on direct sales, and she, she, she did amazing. Um, but at some point, she was cut off from her job. She had $5,000. She started her company with $5,000. She acquired the license for one of the cosmetic um, products that she used. She started her own store with her name, Mary Kay, mm -hmm. on it. And, uh, and now she's the biggest cosmetic story, uh, mm -hmm. store out there. And uh, not only that, what she does is she hired only women um, mm. from the beginning and just empowering people to do that. And now with the direct sales, um, she's, you know, 
she gives opportunity um, for women that wish to stay home with their kids yeah. and still bring some revenue to their home sure. um, and they're able to do that. And I don't know, it's just, I, I think it's fascinating that mm-hmm. you were giving the power for the little people that sometimes don't have any other way to go outside of that, but it still mm-hmm. provide for their family and have the pride and the freedom and even the peace of mind to know that you were mm-hmm. contributing more um, to to, to, to your life you know there was nothing wrong with only being a stay-at-home mom then believe me that's more um work than i think a human can <laughs> take care of truth. but um we still managed to do more of that but more than that but i just i i think it's amazing how she used her life and um you know her faith in christ and mm. in women and just provided mm. you know thousands of them just being able to to yeah. write their own story with working them. from home uh that's just a, a big deal always we're always concerned with uh, folks who are uh, committed to staying at home moms dads whomever uh, but then of course to be able to make money at home that's a really neat thing now here's something i just learned because you just said it and that was maybe because i haven't done much work <laughs> in mary Kay, but uh, that she was a believer right she is okay she is um actually um truth at work um, conference, I believe last year, um, had someone talk, someone that actually worked with her okay. um, in the beginning, just talk about how much she empowered and that's all, all she believed. And actually nice. one of her favorite um, uh, Bible verses is mine too, which is Philippians mm-hmm. 4.13. And mm-hmm. that's what she always used to, you know, to empower people yeah. to, to go after what they have always dreamed of. That's life. great. These are fantastic words, and certainly uh, someone in, from history, uh, such as Mary Kay, continues to have an impact on culture even today. Right, right. And that's an important issue. We think about this, uh, I think about this all the time in terms of uh, what I refer to as next-gen leadership. Uh, we're always thinking about the next generation of people who are going to take our place and uh, beyond us and our responsibility to them. Talk just for a moment uh, about that and the necessity of that, of actually succession planning or uh, thinking about the future in that way as it relates to uh, getting folks ready for what they will do in the future. I have a different intaking sometimes on, you know, how to go about that because I feel like with my kids, for example, we just try to make them good human beings. Everything else will go after that. So Mm -hmm. respect above anything you know what what you believe obviously you you can fight for it Mm -hmm. but if you don't respect other people's right right to to do the same you're not going to get anything accomplished and you're not going to let them do that either Mm -hmm. so um and i think that if we just empower people to do what they want but always keeping in mind respect yes i think that goes a long way um I am a millennial, although I am on the very, you know, beginning part of it, so almost <laughs> not one. Um, it, it is crazy to see where, you know, how life was about 10 or 15 years ago. And it's crazy to imagine what that could be in 10 or 15 years ago with, it, you know, from now with the technology and things constantly changing and even the mindset that we have. Um, what I so Darren, I know that millennials get like a real, Darren is my husband, by the way, we, we talk a lot, we work together, so we are always talking. Um, but one of the things that I told him is like millennials get really, you know, a bad reputation mm-hmm. sometimes for what they do. But I feel like we have a really good mindset on building a better future and just, you know, laying the path for people to be able to chase what they want and what sure. they dream and go more that so every generation uh, adds to the next uh, whether positive or negative in that sense of things and and I think you're right about uh, Millennials getting a bad rap uh, this is certainly true I see it and hear it all the time from older Christians uh, so my focus is always the same that I, my responsibility is to build as best I can for the next generation right so that, so as to get them ready for this and then realizing that they bring a whole new vision and view of lots of different things that I've never even thought about before, but I celebrate those because that's going to add to the future for when they plan for the right. next generation. That's evolution. You know, you, you, in, in any, 
you look throughout history, there's always good and bad mm -hmm. in anything that happens. Um, and obviously, you know, millennials have their downsides too, but I think that they do have a lot of strength. And it's nowadays, it's really easy for you to point out the finger what's going on mm -hmm. wrong, mm -hmm. but it's not so much to just celebrate the things that are going right. And yes. I think that, you know, the, the going right thing is one thing that I that I try to to teach my kids is to celebrate more of the good, mm -hmm. and then you just come to 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 yeah. peace with the bad and keep going with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, if anybody has thought about this lately, but that famous old line uh, that if you don't have anything good to say, don't, uh, say, don't anything say anything at all. Exactly. You know, it would seem like everybody out there that's listening to us right now should pay attention to that line. You don't have anything good to say. Don't say anything at all. Uh, so, but let's come back to uh, the issue of your business. And yep. you mentioned that you and your husband work together. Yep. Tell us about your business. Tell us about what you do and why that's so important. Um, we we have our own independent insurance agency. Um, we do any type of insurance basically besides health insurance. So we will do your home and auto, motorcycle, life insurance. Um, and then on the commercial side of it, we'll do commercial insurance. So uh, small businesses, contractors, mm -hmm. um, up to janitorial services, big you know companies as well. We'll do any type of uh, coverage, so cyber, um, mm -hmm. liability, uh, E&O, um, just general liability, anything basically that you need to stay in business and compliant mm -hmm. and um, protect what you have built. Right. Um, the story of us starting our agency wasn't like, oh, you know, we have dreamed about it and we did. It was kind of God just laying the path on all the things that we thought was going wrong, you know, um, to then get to it and then see that it was it was everything going right mm -hmm. so we could get to where we are. Um, we started our agency in 2011. Um, Darren started it, and funny enough, our deal was I would support him as much as I could in starting the agency. Once he got to a point where he needed help, I would help him as long as I was behind the scenes the entire time. Okay. I told I, I do not ever want to talk to a client or network or wow. any of that. Wow. <laughs> and then that lasted about eight months when someone came and asked um, for me to, to, to go to a network meeting. Mm. Um, and Darren had something else going on. So... I, I had to go and I came back and I said, I actually just want the opposite of it. How about you take all of the, the, the behind the scenes and I'll go and work. Um, I, I just love people and I love hearing people's story. Um, and I think because of it, it adds to what we like doing. You know, mm -hmm. you can't just protect, you can't just get a simple auto policy and just ask what car yeah. you have and, and, and you're driving your driver's license in name and date of birth. I mean, you need to understand this people's story and what, why they're trying to do what they do. Mm -hmm. So you can advise them on what they, they need in order to protect all of the assets. Mm -hmm. We are very um, secure people. We are insurance agents by trade. Um, we are, I, I am not a risk taker, although I left Brazil to be here. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, Yeah, that, that's funny how I'm not a risk taker. I think I, I, I I have always had, you know, dreams and things that I wanted to go, but I'm not a risk taker mm -hmm. uh, per se. So I, I just love talking to people, seeing their stories behind their business and how they started and sure. what they have in stake and how I can do my part to make sure that I have their personal lines and commercial lines protected mm -hmm. so they don't, in an unfortunate event, um, end up losing everything they have. And, mm. So you won't be walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls then? No risk there? No, not at all, not at all. Um, at some point I did think I would like to skydive and I think that was like the craziest idea that okay. I had and then I had kids and, and now I'm a mom, you know, so <laughs> I, I think they need me more than I need to skydive, but no, I have done some some fun things, but no, I, I'm not a risk taker. Well, let's uh, stay with this insurance issue in particular, yeah. because I think it's important as we started uh, this particular show to uh, talk through the issue of not just com connecting to story, but also connecting to uh, the issue of what people are doing uh, for the future. And I think about that as it relates to what you do. You're actually helping people. You're committing uh, with people to, to protect their future. Why is that so important in this particular age? Um, technology.
technology is okay. there. Um, there are companies where you can just go and find your home, your own insurance for your home and auto, um, and, and you may think you're protected until you find out that you're not. Um, and I think that that's the most important part of it. It's just mm. talking to someone and understanding who they are and what they are and what they're trying to protect. Um, I have nothing against technology, and that's just how we are going. You yeah, know, inevitably sure. we're going to get there. Um, but I just feel like, Mark, you weren't the best equipped person to talk to students and guide them through your institution to the path mm. where you, you know you'd like for them to go. Um, you have all of the studies, you have all of the time commitment and the knowledge mm. in order to guide them that way. Mm. If I ask you to draw the best policy to cover your business and your personal lines and then just look at business around there and just, you know, that's probably not your best suit because you have not put so much thought and, and you know, exactly. into that. Right. Um, so I think that's the, the, the important part of it. I just, I love technology and, and there are time and place for everything but i feel like when you are coming to protect your assets there's just so much that people don't even know i mean i can say it's pretty safe to say that at least half of the people that call me for quotes when i ask them if they know what liability limits are they don't but they sometimes insist on having the state minimum mm -hmm. um you know even though they don't know what that is so i think i'm really big into educating yourself into Mm. any decisions that you make and that's one of them that unfortunately doesn't take a lot of patience and I'm not asking people to be experts on it sure but that's where I come in I yeah. want a relationship I want to know why you do what you do um, what would you like to protect what is your biggest nightmare um, mm. personal lines why so you know how's this burning down is that your biggest fear or what can completely um, put your family relationship at stake mm. you know financially if something sure. happens um, and the same thing with the commercial. So I think that's why I add value. I just, I just get, I, I love knowing why people do what I do mm. and then just helping them protect it. It would seem that, you know, when you're committed to and interested in other people's stories, that it makes it so much easier than to do business together. It does. And, and there are companies that will say otherwise, you know, um, obviously I would probably have a much bigger book of business if I was just getting a call fighting yes. and on your A and I'll mm -hmm. go mine to the next client. But uh, um, that was never our intention. And that was the, the main reason why we're independent because we don't see anybody that calls um, mm -hmm. us as just a quote or a client, uh, you know, someone that will come and buy policy with us. We, we, we really take serious the thought that they, first of all, they're committing you know they're putting all of their assets in our hands mm -hmm. to be able to, to to do that for them they are more than just a policy they are people that need to be protected and mm -hmm. um getting to know them is the best way to make sure we give them everything they mm -hmm. need well speaking of stories i think it's kind of important for you to tell us about your story uh, so obviously uh, for anybody listening or watching uh, or catching us up on the podcast later on uh, you have an obvious accent. I don't. I don't. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I went to college to be a translator, and one of the things that they said is, and, and obviously they weren't talking about, you know, um, a different language. They were just talking about, um, you know, how here you you hear someone from New York, mm -hmm. and you almost immediately can say, oh, they're from New York. But the funny thing is, for them, they don't have an accent. Everybody mm -hmm. else does, right. but they don't. Yes. Um, so that's the funny thing. I always say, everybody says, oh, you have an accent. Like, no, I don't. I, <laughs> you do. You have an American accent. I don't. <laughs> I just got schooled, everybody. <laughs> I'm just, you know, no, me. I'm no, joking. But it's funny. But no, I do. And it's I have always, that was one of the, the reasons why I came to America, was to learn English and yeah. be better at it. And, yeah. uh, well, let's start with the translation issue, because yeah. I don't think I've heard that bit before. Uh, you and I have seen each other numerous times and uh, talk, had some uh, great conversations in the past, but I don't recall that you went to school to become a translator. Mm -hmm. So did you work in the UN? How did you work, how did you utilize your translation skills? I didn't, and the reason why, so um, backing up a little bit, I've always wanted to learn English, mm -hmm. and I can literally remember being about four or five years old and just rolling wow. my tongue as I talked to my dolls, because in my mind I was speaking English to my future that? kids. How about um, that? So I have always <laughs> wanted to be here. Um, my, my parents always supported 
in me um, being learning it because I knew that career wise that's one thing that I absolutely had to learn so I went to school um, studied at there about two and a half years when it came age for me to pick what I wanted to do um, in college and I tend to go for the harder things even though I'm not a risk taker I, I tend to pick the hard path it seems like okay so I decided to go to to apply for one of the best translating and interpreting schools in you know Brazil even though I had no background and I had two and a half years of English which if you if you I don't know if you know you have a second language um, so just so you have an idea, if you are learning Spanish in Brazil, you're going to go to school for about six months a year and you're fluent because Portuguese and Spanish is so close. Mm. Um, if you're going to learn um, German, it's about 14 years um, because wow. that's the difference. Wow. Um, and English is about seven and a half. So, mm. so I did two and a half. And I thought I could. So I mm -hmm. signed up for it and I talked to people that had gone to that um, university and they, they, you know, a couple of them left they, because they thought it was, you know, not, not something feasible. Sure. Um, yeah. But I did pass and I did go. I, out of a hundred and something people in my class, um, it was me and two others that had never been abroad. Mm -hmm. um, so did the first year well, second year well, um, but it just came to a point. And, and meanwhile, I was teaching English at a school too. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, it just, it just got to a point where I thought that what I was giving my students wasn't enough. I was giving them knowledge that they could acquire just by reading a book or going online or anybody could give them what I was giving. And as far as the translating part of it, I had never had bacon and eggs for breakfast. I, I didn't know what snow was besides just looking at a picture. And I love reading. And when you get a good book, um, you can sense everything that the author is telling you. And I just felt like it was a lot of responsibility to translate something that I didn't know what it was. Mm. So I came home and I told my parents I would stop at my, uh, in the middle of my, so I had gone for two and a half years. Um, and I was going to stop, come to America be an American for a year and then come back to finish and mm. 11 years later I'm still here. Wow. <laughs> I think that's going to have to be the uh, second half of our program right. here uh, <laughs> and we're going to take a one song break here in just a second but uh, when we come back we're going to continue conversation with Vanessa Stringer and the uh, way that she actually got here to the U.S. and uh, this fascinating story about language and translation. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. Come to you every Wednesday morning from 11 to 11.50. Glad to interview folks from around Indianapolis, Christians who are doing good. One song break. We'll be right back. Facebook Live, we are still here. And um, you continue uh, with us. And this thing will be archived later on. So if you wanted to catch up or uh, connect in other ways, that would be great. So um, the whole translation thing. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I, I just, I love languages. Okay. And it's just so funny um, how how much that has to do with your culture. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't think so. But one thing that I, one of the first things that I learned, what I which I thought was fascinating, is that even the pitch in your voice changes when you change languages. Oh, my so word. So if you listen to my voicemail right now, you think it's two different people talking because I say the first half in Portuguese, the first half in, actually, I changed yes or so, not anymore. I just left English because I wasn't in a hurry. Um, but if you if you listen, you think it's two different people How talking. How about that? You know, Isn't that something? I am just fascinated. I'm taking a class uh, right now called Teaching Composition, and um, tonight we're going to be talking about how language influences how people write. So not only am I going to tell, you, tell them about you today and about the radio show, but uh, I'm also going to ask you about that from your vantage point. Right. How has language shifted, changed, morphed, whatever you want to say, uh, how you write? A lot. <laughs> well, it has changed a lot just because even lack of um, some words in Brazil just simply don't translate. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the, the in my it's hard to explain even my kids now because they are both bilingual and sometimes we'll get to that thing of 
I'll tell them something in Portuguese, they'll turn around and say something in English, and then they'll look at me and say, like, well, that was the same thing, but different ways. Uh, and so they're kind of picking up that you can say the same thing, but in different ways, because mm -hmm. there is no translation. So one word um, that's really, um, you know, in Brazil, if you talk to any person that is learning how to speak English, they'll say saudade. So saudade is I miss you. But it's not that just I miss you, meaning I miss going to something. Is that almost that, um, that that has that sad but still fuzzy feeling longing about longing um you know i i told my daughter there were three words that she could combine and i said and the feeling of those three mm -hmm. is what saudade is mm -hmm. um yeah, have you ever worked with uh Zareta, monroy language solutions you might want to hook up with this chick because her really? whole business is to help uh, bilingual people, especially uh, Spanish and Latino really? people. Really? When they go to the hospitals, when they go to schools, when uh, they have to do anything with senior care or whatever, they act as a translator, understanding like you're saying. Uh, different words mean different things, and it, you could know the language but not know what that word means right. inside that language at that right. time. And so that's what her business is, is making that bridge. So mm -hmm. uh, Language Solutions is the name of it. And uh, she's actually been on the show a few times. That's she's awesome. going to be part of, matter of fact, going to be part of uh, what I'm doing when we move, because that's going to be one of the things, you know, communication. Right. We're not hearing each other. We can't even talk to each other. No. That's yes. great, man. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. This is, by the way, this is our fantastic producer, Harold H.B. Bell, oh, that you man, just heard. That just <laughs> 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 no, me. no, no, man, this is great. Uh, everybody needs to hear H.B. Bell. Everybody needs to know him because he knows everybody. I'm just always amazed at him. You know, he, he will have a guest in and he'll say, well, do you know so-and-so? And somebody will say, no, I've never heard of that. And, you know, he's the connector, man. He's he is always the connector. making connections. Yeah. That's true. That's love true. it, love it, love it. So, yeah, um, uh, when we come back in, uh, let's come back to that. It, it might be an interesting way to segue into that and talk about soldaji. Was that the Saldaji, name? Yeah. Okay. Saldaji and maybe. They're, they're the two things that okay. are hard. All right, so let's we'll come back in on that and um, just discuss the issue of language and how difficult that is. And then maybe, you know, ask you some other questions about not only um, that, that shift in the, the tone of voice, right? Uh, but also in the writing thing, because I didn't, uh, we didn't quite get everything there but um tonight uh, i'll be having this class It'd be fantastic uh, just to talk about you and just to at least mention that well, if hey, you want to i can give you a couple of things to get them thinking yeah and see sure that'd be great actually i'm curious now we need to look at the definition of saudade and we are back warp and woof radio radio tv at the cool groove site Come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, introducing folks from around Indianapolis, Christians who are doing good, Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. We're glad to have today with us Vanessa Stringer, and thankful so much for her life and testimony and the story that she brings. And just before uh, we went to break, uh, we were talking about issues of story, and we were talking about coming from Sao Paulo and Brazil and so on, and we kind of got invested a little bit in this connection as it relates to language and how language shifts not only how we speak how we write how we think all of those kinds of things so uh, we're going to come back in now on the second part of our hour and ask vanessa to extend that to kind of explicate that out a little bit further and give us a sense of how does language shift and then we'll talk about how that makes a difference in how we think and then how we write but you were just talking on facebook live about uh, a couple of words. Tell us about those words again, and then specifically about how difficult it is to translate them and why that matters. Right. Um, so the the first word is there is just simply no translation for the word um, is saudade, um, which is when you miss someone or you miss something. Um, like I have saudades of my family back in Brazil, but when you say just miss, it. it the feeling that comes with it is not the same and maybe because i'm not from here but i, I probably not because this is even stuff that my professors in college would tell mm. um, so like that's just not something you can translate mm. um so saudade has more of that it's that sadness like nostalgic mm -hmm. feeling yeah about something um and i was always fascinated when you know because when you look at somebody's you know another language you're like how can you get a 
away with not knowing what technology is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a you know sad, good, fuzzy feeling. Everybody should have it. Mm. Um, and another thing is things that that you were talking about. How does it change in my writing? Mm. And um, for example, in Brazil, if you were talking in a conference the right thing to do is to say that you are sure you have to portray as this is the truth mm. this is what it is this is how it goes otherwise you pass along the feeling that you don't know what you're talking about hmm. okay and one of the first things in uh speaking that we learn in college is the opposite in here because if you were sure about something then you're leaving the feeling that the person is too full of themselves ah or you yeah. know so you always have to leave that this is what has been said yes this is what has been you know researched but you never say this mm -hmm. is what i have found this is what right. is the truth about it so that's one thing that changes and even the, the word maybe is one thing in the beginning that threw me off a bit because maybe in brazil if i tell you um do you want to grab lunch and you say well maybe it's usually a maybe probably not gonna happen okay and the maybe in Brazil is, it's probably going to happen. Ah, okay. So, um, for all, all of you guys out there to think that Google Translate is the best thing out there, it is, but there's so much more to the word, mm. you know, and, and just a sentence than what you can capture just by the, the, the simple words. Sure. There's just so much more meaning. There are things that when you put them together, they have a different yeah. meaning than just them separated. So. I, I can stay here all day long talking and about, talk it. about I, that. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> well, you, your love of language is pretty clear. I, I was just thinking as you were talking about, is it saudade? Saudade. It's S-A-U-D-A-D-E-S. So the the word that comes to mind when I think of this is actually a German word. We were just talking about German, and there's a word in German called senschut, and senschut means longing or desire, uh, something that you miss. Right. or that you long for, you wish for, that you had, or had back again. Um, so, you know, there's there are these cross-currents of right. ideas that run through languages, even though the language itself may be very difficult for us to translate into somebody else's thought processes. Right. So tell us a little bit about your voicemail. That re This voicemail bit really got me uh, just a moment ago. So tell everybody on the podcast and listening live, about that specific issue about what happens to your voice when you speak in a different language um so one of the first classes we had um in college was just talking about the difference what happens in your body in your mind mm -hmm. in your train of thought and how does it lead you to to act differently mm -hmm. in a different language and uh, what um, was found is that the pitch in your voice changes when you change languages. Mm. So it's funny because my husband pointed out that to me a couple times because I have my voicemail set up uh, for the first part in Portuguese and the first and the second part in English and they sound like two different people just because that that's fascinating. That's, yeah. I I don't remember why that happens. I remember that was a very scientific, you know, yeah. uh, explanation for why that happened, mm. but um but, yeah. Well, let's take this just a step further, let's talk about the issue of language and culture right. and how important is it? Maybe, you know, I think we probably all assume that it's important to learn somebody else's language if we really want to understand their culture. But let's talk about um, navigating cultural differences in our language and why that's so important, uh, at least to have a sense of generosity towards somebody else's language. Take that wherever you'd like to go. Right. Well, I think that, uh, you know, language is pretty much understanding where someone comes from. Mm -hmm. um, so before, for example, my husband and I decided that we wanted to take a step, you know, further and, and get engaged and married, I made sure to take him back to Brazil because I needed to, you know, who he has in here is the consequence of something that happened in Brazil. And, and your husband is from, just so everybody knows? Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. So as go. American as it can be. Um, <laughs> Us Americans. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just important for him to know because he was going to have to deal with the consequences of, you know, and I think that was going to give him a much bigger understanding of why I am the way I am and also know that his kids would be, you know, 
both American and Brazilian. So yes. he, he needed to know what that really meant. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, just comparing, and I came from a really different background than what I was brought here um, to. Okay. I, was in, I was in a very poor side of life um, okay. before coming in here. Um, have always had food. Um, that, that has never thankfully uh, been an issue with us, but I didn't have much more than that. Mm -hmm. um, when I came in here, I came to be an au pair for a very successful family in the area, in the area of guys. So the, the first thing that I had was, you know, that shock, not only culturally, but also just, financially. Just so everybody knows, an au pair is... Um, someone that you would pick from a different country to come take care of your kids um, and then in exchange of that you would pay for them an amount um, but it's not a job it's okay. a description it's for one year program they live with you they, they would go to church with you they would go to family vacations and gatherings and they would leave the the idea behind is just for you to leave the American life for one year mm -hmm. while you are teaching the kids that, that sure. perspective of respecting other yes. culture and, and being an any on the top of it. Thanks too. for explaining that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it was hard for me to come through the financial barrier and have a different mm. status in life than mm. what I used to. And because of it, that's that's where I, uh, I grew up in America. It was, you know, on the more fortunate side mm. of an American life. So it's hard for me to compare both when sure. it comes to different sure. points. But yeah. um, Brazilians are usually forever positive, mm. happy, thinking people. Mm. And I think that shapes a lot of who I am. Um, you know, She's very happy. I'm always, I mean, we're alive. We <laughs> really, have, you true. know, how can we not be? Yeah. We were so fortunate to have, it doesn't matter what comes bad in your life, there is always a good thing going on. Mm. You may not highlight and see that, but there is always a good thing going on. Um, and there is one saying in Brazil that says, I'm Brazilian, I never give up. Mm. And that's truly what pretty much everybody lives by. You know, oh. until we see that there is absolutely no hope, okay. we'll keep going. And mm. I think that's a little bit of the, the mindset that he mm. has in here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially now raising kids, I have to be more um, aware of what the sure. differences are. So it doesn't come across when I'm trying to explain them as the good and the bad in either of right. the the culture is just the difference mm -hmm. so it's not the good and bad it's just the different it's interesting that you mentioned that actually uh, I'm going to be speaking at IU tomorrow night and one of the things that I'm going to highlight is this very idea that uh, I don't think Christianity is better I think it's very different right and when you think of something as distinctive that it stands out, then maybe you ought to look at it a little closer right. uh, to make sure. Uh, the exclusivity of the Christian message is one that's pretty clear when you start listening to what Jesus has to say about not only life, but about himself. Uh, that's an important idea, but beyond that, uh, to suggest this, this baseline idea that there are very distinct differences in culture, and we need to pay attention to what those might be, and uh, as you suggested earlier, to give respect to people for who they are and where they live and where they come from. It doesn't matter for every consequence, for every act that somebody has, for something that somebody, the way someone does something, there is always another line, a why. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And in my case, I feel like a lot of what I have done, and I, I had to change a lot of mm -hmm. who I was to fit into what sure. is expected in here. Um, but I love it, so I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to the difference, and I think that's the difference. I, okay. I am always looking forward to having something different, just so I can have knowledge. You know, you can't talk about a topic that you mm. don't try to know both sides, right. because otherwise you're just giving a one-sided opinion, which mm. probably won't really get yeah. you anywhere. Boy, I need to have you into my class. We're actually doing this uh, paper right now called "Be Insightful," where they have to do research about. Uh, what it is that whatever they want to be insightful about but they have to gain different points of view and uh, it's very unusual quite frankly to hear somebody say it's really important to 
uh, get other people's perspectives and points of view. You would think that that'd be pretty obvious, right? But in our culture, it's not. We're not, and I think right now is even valued even more. The mm. this is who you are, and this is who they are, yes. and, and and they are whoever they want. But there was always a reason for it. Mm. Um, I'm. I'm uh, I think I, I have this positive thinking, you know, every time something goes wrong with my, with work or in life, I'm usually looking at my husband and say, yesterday, pro, perfect example. My friend grabbed my attention the day before and said, and, and she just sent me a text and said, I'll meet you at the YMCA at 5.40 a.m. Mm. And I said, okay, <laughs> go to the YMCA at 5.40 a.m. Um, so I did, it felt great. Um, on the way back, I said, I'm gonna fill up my car with the gas, I'm gonna clean it. Before I get home to even wake my kids up to go to school, I already started my day and mm. succeeded in a few things, you know, so I was feeling so good. Um, and then I went to turn my car on and it wouldn't start. So I, I turned oh. it off to pump and then when I turned it back on and it wouldn't start. So I told my husband, I, you need to come rescue me. And I texted my friend that had gone to the gym with me and I said, well, now I'm stuck at a gas station because my car won't start. Oh. She was like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Um, and then I said, honestly, I am, but I'm actually glad that I took what probably will be the worst part of my day right this early. So I can live on knowing that I can only get better. And she started laughing and she said, it's kind of, it's perfectly sums what, you know, how you see life. So there, honestly, God has a plan and it doesn't matter if you understand where you're going or not. Mm. You know, you have to trust. My mom always said that when you finish praying, you say amen. And that means be done you know amen to 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 what god has planned to you to have confidence in what's to going have to confidence. happen so if something is bad happening you're either learning from it that's going mm -hmm. to take you to a different place or you are not where you should be so be thankful mm -hmm. for that the providence of god that he personally plans and oversees all events uh, it's difficult to live with sometimes quite frankly if it we is. could all be honest with ourselves you know that uh, it's important to say that but at the same time to hear uh, your perspective about this is how you approach life. That's a that's a powerful statement. Uh, let's take this to just a one more idea here about language, and specifically culture, and more specifically writing. So we've talked a little bit about how you how we hear people, and how we actually speak, and maybe some of why it's important to be culturally attuned to other perspectives. But I'm really interested in because uh, I don't think I, I got an opportunity to, to have you answer this question earlier. I'm interested in answering the question, how does a different language or learning a different language or understanding that languages are different make a difference in how you write things? So physically writing. So with the experience between English and Portuguese, one thing that we were talking last week with my other Brazilian friends in here is just the, the thought that you have to have even when deciding how you are going to write things. So for example, um, verbal tenses. And I know that a lot of- Verb tenses. Verb tenses, oh, thank okay. you, verb tenses. Um, the difference between, for example, the past Mm -hmm. and the past perfect, uh, past perfect, the future, mm -hmm. and the future perfect, and how you have to have a clear understanding on what is important mm -hmm. so you can decide in how to write that. Yes. Um, and it may not be a big effort for you that had, that grew up with the already embedded right. idea of when you choose what. Yes. And it goes further than just when it happened. Mm -hmm. it, and it's what mm -hmm. is, you know, if you're doing past between, at least that's how I learned, the difference between past and past perfect. Um, what does it matter? What matters most? What happened over the time? If it's the time, then you're on past. If it's what happened, then you're on past perfect. Mm -hmm. So even that thing, I think, has made a huge difference on mm -hmm. how I write. And also being very conscious that what you have to truly be on a different language mindset when you're writing. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm trying to write in English with the concepts mm -hmm. and the feelings and mm -hmm. everything that is attached to Portuguese, I'm yes. not going to be as fluent. And I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest difference. And it's hard. But nowadays, because I work in here and most of my life you know, is in English, I have a harder time writing in Portuguese than I am in English. How about that? So yeah. when you transition, it changes. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That okay. was... Um, invited to do a translation session. Um, it was an interpreting session, not a, not a translating, interpreting session. And in 
halfway I had to kind of write down things mm -hmm. to help um, and it was so tough to, wow. to be listening translating you know interpreting and then translating the thought and then writing it down in two different languages all at once mm. and it's the thing that i told you it's not only the language it's the all the the, the thought and all the feelings attached yeah. to what they're saying so there's so much invested in all of this we're talking about language but we're also talking about history we're talking about culture we're talking about time uh, the necessity of all of this just to give you a, a snapshot of this from my vantage point i think um you asked me earlier about uh, languages that i know so uh, my abilities are in hebrew and greek and uh, that's what i learned when i was in grad school so i maintain some of that a degree of that emphasis i mention that only because it wasn't until my freshman year of college studying greek and specifically prepositions that I finally understood English. Oh, it, it, it's hard. Isn't that something? It is hard. But even the thing is like, oh, I told my husband, my husband, it's, we talk, he's fascinated by it too. Um, mm -hmm. And he got to a point that he said he loves the difference and my accent, so he won't correct me anymore, which is not at all where I wanted to be, but that's what he wants to do. So, um, but even try, because we're trying to teach him, um, mm -hmm. He doesn't know a whole lot, um, and obviously my kid, my, my daughter, is, she's, I'm amazed how good mm. she is in both. I mean, she's, she's, she has the both of that embedded from such an early Right, age. and she is how old? She's six years old. See, that, that just goes to show when language is best learned. Right. Two years ago, my parents came in here, Darren and I had a vacation, and bottom line they, they were just my parents and Danny and Tony my, my son and my parents don't know anything in English at all okay. and they were here for a week without without us and just her and she they wow. went to restaurants they went to the stores they oh went, my word um, two years ago she was four? Oh, and she would get oh, and say my, word. My, my dad said she said something as soon as we got to I think it was Taco Bell for some reason that sticks <laughs> out my head and my dad said he, she said something and I'm pretty sure that she explained the guy that I didn't speak in English and I came to her and I said Danny why was it important for you to say that so well because I didn't want them to come across as rude if they didn't understand oh, what they were saying word. so it was I'm also proud of her oh my word that's touching <laughs> right so she yeah. she's really good so anyways we're trying to teach my husband but uh, the prepositions mm. and how you decide on how to say mm. things for example I don't know German that well um, so I don't know if things have gender in German I'm not sure either I just know. know certain words so for example table table in Brazil is feminine okay so it's a mesa. Okay. Um, sun is o sol. So even knowing, because my husband never understands, a table is a table. There is no feminine and masculine. There is no, there is, uh, gender is not a thing. It's mm. just a table. But in Brazil, everything has a gender. Mm. Um, the street is female. Yes. Um, so, and that is... That? how you put all your prepositions and how you even um, agree on the verb tenses mm -hmm. as well. So it's really more complex than what it yes. is in English. And that's really true in Greek, uh, more specifically even than Hebrew, but uh, you're right about the verb tenses. You know, I'm having flashbacks to pluperfect and things like these kinds right. of concepts coming out of other languages, but the imperative of this I'm struck, though, by the fact that it's more difficult for you to write, go, to go backwards, to learn, uh, to, to communicate in the language that you were fluent in growing up, more difficult now to go back to it. So let's talk for a moment, because I think everybody needs to hear something to this, this idea. How difficult is it, and maybe speak to the cultural impact of understanding why it is hard for people to go back in their thinking and why it's still important for them to go back in their thinking. Right. So there, there are two different ways to see it. Um, I, I always said that I, God has a reason why I was obviously born in Brazil, but my, I, I, I sometimes joke that I am a American person just built into Brazilian parts. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have always belonged here. I don't know why, but I have always had the feeling. Um, wow. So when I came in here, and, and even because of why I came, my idea was to go back and be a translator and interpreter. Mm -hmm. So it was extremely important for me to leave as intensely as mm -hmm. I could in here. Intentionally? Yeah, to intentionally, live intentionally too, yeah. because I needed to learn all of those things because mm -hmm. that was, you know, I, there was no time to waste. Um, so I think I made an extra effort to become American. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, the way I did things, the way I answered mm -hmm. things, the way I planned things was always on the more American way because that, in my idea, I had one, two years max to learn as much as I could to come back. Mm -hmm. um, and then with doing that, I realized that I'm leaving here. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for what I have in here. The least that I can do is do more of what you do mm -hmm. so I can mix Yes. And, and then in doing that, I, I am creating relationships. Mm. And then on those relationships that I'm creating, I am understanding for who it makes a difference, mm. where I'm from or not. Yes. There are some people that are extremely curious and they yeah. want to know and that makes yeah. a difference. And then with those people, I'm going to discuss the differences sure. and everything yeah. else. There are other people that just don't care. They don't care. Um, yeah. And with those people, I just don't have a need nor almost a chance on discussing those things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for me to know where I am from right. and even to stay humble. And I don't have a whole lot here that's not at all, but mm -hmm. comparing my lifestyle and my life and the opportunities I have in here with what I could have had in Brazil, their mm -hmm. light and day difference. Um, and I, I really, truly think that God has a plan. I, uh, our family has something to accomplish with the relationship between Brazil and America. Mm. And so I bring my kids to Brazil. That's fantastic. You know, often so they can, so they can know where they, yeah, where they come all. from. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been a fascinating discussion. I, honestly, I just looked at my watch and realized we are out of time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I like talking. It, no, it's great. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Polly Riddell, who was our Chief Connections Officer for Cominius, thanks so much. Uh, for setting this up, Polly, uh, with you. Vanessa. It's been really great. Of course, you told us that this would be an awesome uh, interview, and of course it has been. Thanks, too, to Josh Collingwood, who is uh, setting up all the tech behind the scenes, the things that make us look good on social media. We're grateful for that. And, of course, our wonderful uh, producer, H.B. Bell, who sits across from us, takes <laughs> care of all the background stuff been doing this for a long long time anybody who wants to know anybody in indy needs to see hb we're grateful for all of those folks thanks so much vanessa for being with us today thank you yeah we're grateful Always. we're going to come back again next week uh wednesday from 11 to 11 50 we'll be facebook live radio live as well as the podcast we'll put this podcast up later on this is going to be very intriguing in fact, so much so that I'm going to push it out to some of my IUPUI students as well as my colleagues there uh, because they need to hear some of the things you had to say. This has been a great interview today. We need to have you back. We need to continue this conversation. Absolutely. And thanks so much, everybody. Facebook Live, everybody on the radio, we're grateful. We'll see you again next week.